Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, on May 31st, 2019. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the City of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at ManhattanBeachChamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, purpose, and principle. Principle and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the CEO and president of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course, with us because of our great partnership, with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of the South Bay show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you doing today? Uh, uh, pretty good, pretty good. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. And I know your, your, your recent uh, uh, vacation to Florida uh, brought on some air, air condition induced congestion. Yeah, yeah. I, it's much better today than it was yesterday. Yesterday, it sounded like I had swallowed a truckload of gravel. Um, Kelly, I was telling Joe yesterday, I was in Florida for 10 days, and, you know, I love the heat. I love the humidity. I love the warm water, but the air conditioning just kills me, kills me. It congests me something awful, and I've just been uh, I've just been verklempt since, you know, for the last, for the last several mm. days. And, but it's clearing mm. up. It's clearing up, so that's good. I understand. I uh, and, and by the way, good morning and happy Friday. Are, are mm. you, you know, happy what's Friday. What's a Friday with Kelly happy without Friday, me Kelly. saying happy Friday? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's been a few weeks since I've um, been on with both of you. We yeah. Took last Friday off for the holiday, and uh, before, the weekend before that, I was traveling for my son's uh, college graduation, and unfortunately, missed you that morning. Um, but. Uh, uh, excuse me, Kelly. Congra- congratulations, by the way, on your son. You know, I remember when your son went off to school. That the time just yeah. flew. So, That's amazing. You know, you know, I know it all flies. Like you know, when they're little, when they get to high school, you kind of really feel like the accelerator is on. But I have to say, and all my girlfriends, we all have kids graduating right now. We all are saying college just is like a, literally a blink of the eye. I can't believe it's been four years either. And he, hallelujah, he graduated in four years. So let's like ring the bell for that. Right. But, <laughs> right. I mean, ding, 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 ding. Yes. Uh, but it goes so fast. And, hey, the good news is he has a job lined up. Jackie, you'll appreciate this. He's going to work oh. for a commercial real estate firm. All um, oh, right. Yes, and he's a very dynamic personality. He will be starting in September. They told him, we don't want to see you to September. Go play, go to the beach, have fun, travel, go to Europe, do whatever you want to do, because when you start, it's going to you know, be the grind for the first couple of years, as you know, right. your husband. I know it's a business Jackie. So, uh, right, we're going to eat your life. Is he, is he back in town now? Is he back in Southern California, or or? Is he? Because I know a lot of kids that go to school and they might take a job where they went to school. Is he back in town? 
Yes. No, he went to the University okay. of Wyoming. Uh, he right. is back in town. He just actually uh, he did a little bit of traveling up front, and he's back. He arrived this week. He will be working here in Southern California. Uh, I'm really excited. You know, I, I, I'm excited to get the job. He's actually one of a few of his friends who actually has a job lined up, and he had it. I think he had a job offer back in about late March. So wow. he's He's also no. an LA County lifeguard, so he's gonna, you know, he'll lifeguard for about six or seven weeks, uh, which is a fantastic. He'll be at her station at Hermosa this um, this summer, and then uh, late. Oh July, my gosh! He's, he's taken Kelly? off in three about three weeks to go to Europe. Yes. Kelly, there is practically yes. no position on earth more advantageous than a bright, handsome young man. As a lifeguard in Hermosa Beach, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have fun. He is going to have fun. Yes, yes. But I'm telling you. Okay, let's look beyond that. Uh, he is uh-huh. not qualified. Uh, <laughs> if, um, but I do agree. I mean, he's he's a very dynamic young man, and he is handsome. And of course, he's you know he's in good shape. You have to be to be a lifeguard. He's in good shape. Oh my God! <laughs> stop! Stop! That's my son. So, uh, and our guest is probably listening, horrified that uh, yes, we've, gone, we've gone left in our conversation. Uh, okay, quickly because it was, this is not about my son or about me. But um, last summer he was stationed his rookie year at Dockweiler. They're like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, guess what, dude? You're going to be a Dockweiler. And you know, right. some people would just go, "Oh my gosh!" He was thrilled because he was busy. And it was really yeah. educational. Um, this summer, they, yeah. just, you know, they're putting him in a sudden He's like, I don't know if I'm going to be busy enough, Mom. I'm like, oh, you'll be busy. It'll just be different types of calls, you know. But anyways, he's different a types dynamic of busy. young man. Yeah, so, <laughs> hey, if somebody wants to be saying so, he is your I'm man. Sorry. He's awesome. Yeah. Stop. Oh, my gosh. I know. Okay, I'm changing the subject. What's happening at the chamber? Okay. How about that? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, is this what happens when I'm not on the show for a couple of weeks? I get all this, you know, boy. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, local Manhattan Beach Chamber news. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Go so um, what else? He, uh, not he. Gosh, now you got me started on that. The chamber. Um, this week we had our economic forum. And as you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we did it, um, we hosted it at the L.A. Stadium Entertainment District Premier Center up in Playa Vista. And yes, I was able to convince about 130 people to drive, you know, 15 minutes north into Playa yeah. Vista to the Premier Center. And boy, was it next level off the charts. I wish people, you know, more people could have um, attended and gone. Um, the information shared about that entire project, not just the stadium. I mean, the stadium is so, it's not, state of the art isn't even a, a good enough, you know, description. It's its beyond that. It's next level. And then the whole entertainment mm-hmm. district and all the, the shopping and the residents that are being built and the commercial, everything, uh, and all the thought that goes into it is, is amazing. But we have the chief revenue officer, Chris Hibbs, who is also a South Bay resident. He lives in Hermosa. Um, and the SVP of facilities and operations, uh, two very busy men, you can imagine. They're, they're going to have that stadium open for play for the fall 2020 football season for the Rams and the Chargers. And then the rest of the entertainment district and all the rest of the build-out will slowly over the years kind of you know open and, and trickle in. But what a phenomenal project. We have world-class events coming to it, not just the Rams and Chargers. Obviously, there will be concerts and all other types of entertainment. We've got FIFA World Cup coming. We have the World, um, the Super Bowl coming. We've got the opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics. We're having the Super Bowl. Wow. Wow! Yeah, this information was the information was just off the charts. It, everybody, um, I kept telling people, just attend, just please come. You're going to be blown away. I promise. And people are like, okay, okay, okay. And everybody was just truly blown away. And like, wow, I had no idea. And I'm like, I know. That's why we did it because we talked about that project and, and this. In complete enormity, the history, uh, all, how it came to be, but then truly how it's going to affect 
not just, you know, Inglewood and L.A., but all the South Bay and the surrounding areas, hospitality, shopping, commerce, real estate, everything. And it was kind of my vision to help uh, to make people think truly out of the bubble. Like, okay, folks, we got to get outside of our South Bay bubble here and think about the rest of what's happening around us and how it affects us. Like, go get it. Don't just let it happen. Like, go be a part of this. So we had a great time. Can you tell? I'm excited about it. It was, I, it you was, know, Kelly, it was really fantastic. I just, want, I just want to ask you one thing. Just right off the yep. top of your head, what will be the biggest impact on the South Bay from this project? Just just right off the top of your head, what's going to be the biggest impact? I think hospitality, like the hotel mm. rooms, because those uh-huh. – um, and just dining. And, you know, as our mayor said – this is going to bring tens and hundreds of thousands of people to all these different events and constant stream. And those people can't just stay. There's one hotel on that property. Obviously there's other hotels around LAX and in on the West side, but people are going to trickle out into the other areas and they're going to want to do the day trips. They're going to want to go see the rest of it. And we all know that, you know, when you come South towards Manhattan beach, it's cleaner, it's safer, it's quieter, it's not as congested as going north. North has its purpose also, but um, yes. it's going to bring a lot more people just to our immediate region, and let alone employment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I forget the number. It was something, it, I, it was 30,000 or 300? I mean, it was, it was an insane number, and um, mm-hmm. they're hiring, you know, all local um, people, and it's, I... I'm telling you, it just, you have to see it to really kind of understand it. And, you know, the Mm. more information we get, we'll continue to share. But it's one of those things where I've been talking about it for months, but then people were like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I know. You have to kind of absorb it almost, you know, and be there and see it and then hear it to really understand it. So I think it's exciting. (laughs) It's one of the biggest projects to hit Southern California, I think, almost ever, you know, to find out now land in Los Angeles to build this amazing development is remarkable and um it's at least as big as at, at least as big as staples center you know it, well bigger excuse me that's it, the staples center was probably mm-hmm. the last big project you know oh, this is this right this is right. much bigger and, and then slowly they started adding la live and slowly they started redeveloping the area right. the loft conversion but this is one from the get-go one massive project you know and um yeah, I, I, people have no idea, and I still, every time, I've heard the, the, you know, the information a couple times now, and every time, it's like watching your favorite movie over and over again, you, you hear something, you see something different every time you watch it, and um, I'm just excited about it, because I think um, people need to hop on it, and be a part of it, and reach out, and try to tap into what um, the goodness that that whole entire project is bringing, because it's, it's like nothing else we have around here. That's for Look, sure. Looking uh, forward. Looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Yes. Looking mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. So there's a few other things I want to say, and then we can uh, – we'll get into our guests here, but there's a couple other events coming up that I want to make sure I cover for our members. Um, we, tonight we are doing the ribbon cutting and kind of the official grand opening of the S Club. Remember we had Jim Landis and Marco Nunez yes. on a couple of weeks ago? Yes. Um, yes. We're yes. having his, mm-hmm. you know, big party. They have activation all day, but tonight uh, between 5 and 5.30 we're cutting the ribbon and uh, doing a few extra little things. So anybody who's around who wants to come down for that, um, S Club is down on Manhattan Avenue, just um, shy of Manhattan Beach Boulevard. Um, so come on down for that. Let's see what else. Tomorrow, the police department and the fire department have their annual open house and car show here at 15th Street in Valley. They're going to have a bunch of old cars out and old police vehicles and what have you. So kind of an open house, bring the kids down, let them you know, climb on the fire trucks and say hello to our police officers and all that. It's um, quite fun. Uh, next week, we have our monthly lunch and learn with Jeannie Allison Dreamy at the Bellamar Hotel. That's on Wednesday at noon. She's going to talk about the entrepreneurial equation. Remember, we had Jeannie on about a month or so ago. Um, yes. She's with Edward Jones. Yes, and full of information. So she has uh, hosting her lunch and learn on Wednesday. And there's a couple other things. Let's see, Sunday, the pancake breakfast at American Martyrs Church is um, – you like to eat pancakes and you want to be a part of the uh, American Martyrs community. Uh, that's from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday. 
And Grades Are Green is having their Impact-a-thon, talking all about sustainable issues and um, how to make a difference in the community. That's actually in Hawthorne, um, but uh, we love Grades Are Green. They're part of our chamber and here in Manhattan Beach. And that event is on Sunday also at the Subaru Pacific dealership over in Hawthorne, not far away, um, at 11 a.m. So, um, you know, got a lot going on this weekend. And uh, more importantly... Um, that fun event called Bite at the Beach that happens in August. This year it's August 10th at the studios. Pre-sale tickets went on sale last night. So you can um, scoop up some good tickets if you go to um, our website, manhattanbeachchamber.com, and and you uh, backslash 2019 Bite at the Beach. Uh, Tickets went on sale, and you can – save about $15 per ticket, uh, especially on the VIP tickets, if you want to purchase them now. So that went on sale last night. I encourage everybody to try to jump on that and scoop up your tickets um, early because they, they will go up by the end of, um, by kind of the middle of July too. So uh, if you like Bite mm-hmm. at the Beach, if you like beer, you like food, and you want to have fun with mm-hmm. us again, sixth annual Bite at the Beach, August 10th, pre-sale tickets are on sale now. So there you go. That's, that's what I've got this morning. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Jackie, um, let's move on to something else that's quite uh, unique here in the South Bay and particularly in Manhattan, design and uh, development and design. Uh, Jackie, who's our guest today? Our guest this morning is Julia Newman, founder of Julia Adele Design. Julia Adele Design is a full-service furniture and interior design company working with residential, office, and retail spaces. Now, before starting her company, Julia graduated from the University of Cambridge and then studied design at Central St. Martin's in London. She has a keen interest in universal design, which means designing spaces and furnitures for people of varying abilities and age ranges. Now, Julia strongly believes that everyone deserves to have a home designed to suit their specific needs and that people should have easy access to their surrounding environments. This passion has led her to work with clients with a wide range of abilities and needs, as well as with ADUs for the City of Los Angeles and Homes for Wounded Warrior uh, Veterans Organization. Now, in addition, Julia is a consultant for the Institute of Human-Centered Design. Now, to learn more, you can visit her website at juliaadeldesign.com. And this morning, we're going to learn about universal design and some of the recent design trends. Welcome to the show, Julia. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Hi, I'm so glad I could join, too. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us. We're excited. Um, I This is a, a fascinating topic because more and more people are, are, are looking at having their spaces, their living spaces, designed specifically for them and their needs and their desires, uh, if that means a home office, if that means uh, a child with uh, – special needs or special abilities, which I love as opposed to, to disabilities. It's special needs and special abilities. Um, tell us more about how universal design has, has taken off in recent years. We see it in a lot of different kind of settings. Um, as our average life expectancy grows, we see home as part of the healthcare continuum. So aging in place, is becoming more and more common. Most people don't want to leave their home. So when you first buy a house, you don't tend to think about, okay, what is this going to look like when I'm 60 or 70 or 80? What is this space going to need to be for me then? So a lot of my work is changing homes to fit their current needs and then thinking ahead. Um, We also see a lot of this need in public spaces. We want to make public spaces more accessible to people of all abilities. Mm-hmm. So it's a growing mm-hmm. trend, and it's only it's only growing more. That that it, that it, is it, so exciting. It sounds it sounds Jackie? like it's more of an awareness thing, right? I mean, many many years ago, 
the government in, instituted the ADA Act, uh, Americans with Disability Act, and now you know it's taken them a long time to get all those curbs with ramps. You know, it's it's, it's right. mm-hmm. again, it's an awareness thing. Um, you know, now every new building has to have handicap access, elevator stuff. I mean, there's still quite a few buildings that don't have that, but uh, it's awareness as with anything, right, Julia? Yeah, and ADA was really just tip of the iceberg. I mean, ADA really um, focuses on wheelchair users, whereas universal design tries to encompass a wider range of, of people. And the example I give to everyone about what universal design is versus accessible design is, why have a ramp next to two steps into a building when you can just have a ramp that works for everybody. Um, Mm. You know, companies try to make their offices um, more universally design friendly. Um, A big push in this community is to get new builds to be built with this in mind because it's far more cost effective to build a new home or a new office with this in mind than to come back years later and make adjustments. Mhm. Mhm. So that means making wider door frames is a lot less expensive than years later having to come in and widen our door frame. Mm-hmm. Is it what? is it just Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I I I'm just following along with uh what Julia's talking about. Some examples in my own life that I think are are really everyone can relate to is uh, a a universal example is like the Roman steps the typical Roman steps leading into a home in Rome in classical times, the, the rise of the steps was much lower than we find today for steps. And so you'll see an example of that at the Getty Museum, uh, the, the entrance, the, the steps leading up to the Getty, uh, the rise in the steps are, are much lower mm-hmm. than we're used to for steps. And that's classic for, for Roman homes and, now Julia's saying, well, if a ramp works for a wheelchair, why doesn't it just work for everyone? It works for wheelchairs. It works for people. It works for children as well as uh, people with a longer gait. It's, uh, uh, this concept of universal design is, is, is very deep and wide, and, and there's lots of uh, aspects to it. Go on, go on Jackie. Uh, um, okay. Uh, that, that went off in a whole other – a whole other sector. Uh, <laughs> uh, but is it just, uh, Julia, is it just, uh, this might be a really stupid question, okay? Is it just for the physicality of of people or does it take into account? Because today, you know, you know, things like autism, you know, is, it, it, it's on the rise. You know, yes, uh, yesterday we, we, we had a show about epilepsy and, mm. and we're discovering, that a lot of these things, you know, we, one of the first questions we always ask when we're talking about these medical conditions, is it getting better or is it getting worse? You know, are there more cases mm. or are there less cases? Are we making any breakthroughs? And, and, and unfortunately, the bad news is we, we don't seem to be making breakthroughs and more people are affected by these diseases. So is universal designed strictly for the physical? And I ask this because a while back I did some work with a, local, a new local dentist that specializes uh, with children uh, with disabilities. And her, her rooms, the offices, are designed with uh, uh, special lighting and tactile qualities and things so that the children feel more comfortable. It, um, it, it, so, so my question, going back to my question, is universal design strictly a physical thing? No, certainly not. And that's another point where ADA falls short um, because it's really just thinking about one physical challenge. Universal design is both about um, varying degrees of physical and mental abilities. Um, And it's interesting that he brought up the Getty because museum design is a really interesting place to bring in universal design. Um, You have to think about every single element when thinking of universal design. That means lighting, color, space, everything. Um, There's examples of museums that paint the wall where the elevator is a different color. That's to help people who are visually impaired, those with Alzheimer's, those with autism. It's to signal, here's where you can go. So 
every element has to be considered. Um, lighting is an important one. Um, there's an example of a library in New York where it's completely dark except for lights that drop down over study desks because it's supposed to help people focus better. Um, and they actually suggest um, people with ADD focus better when there's not a lot of lights on but only one focus light. So you have to consider every element. Of course, it's hard to encompass changes that work for every single person, but you try to get the greater number of people. Um, so I was working on a home for a wounded warrior who had PTSD. So that meant that he was really light sensitive in this case. So that meant blackout windows, soundproofing the house. So we treat um, mental um, variations the same as physical. Wow. <laughs> It's a, that's a, that's like a whole. Is that like um, a graduate work? Like you go to design school or architecture school, and you go through the standard stuff, and then you go on to special. What what kind of schooling? What kind of who offers these kind of classes where you can specialize in this stuff? That's a great question. You know, considering the need for it, it's not part of the regular curriculum um, for a lot of architects or designers. So you really have to seek it out yourself. University of Buffalo is one place, and they do offer online classes. Um, USC has um, a program. It, it more focuses on aging at home, but you kind of get the general concepts from that. A lot of that is seeking out opportunities and trying to get enough experience in it, because once you notice kind of discrimination in design, you can't stop seeing it. I mean, I walk into a restaurant and I think, why is there one step in here and then one step down? Like, this doesn't make yeah. any sense. You can't switch that part off of your brain anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I would mm -hmm. imagine you probably see that every place. Wow. Everywhere. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so going back to the aging in place, which is very interesting for a number of reasons because that's like – Especially you know, here in Manhattan Beach. <laughs> well, mm. what is it? What the silver tsunami, the senior tsunami? What sure, was it, Joe? Starting sure. in 2011, uh, the first baby boomers. What was it? The first. Yeah, what year was the, it? The, the first. The baby 1946 boomers started to 1964. Yeah, uh, they baby turning, boomer generation. They started, yeah, they started turning 65, and every every day for the next 20 years, we have 10,000 Americans turning 65 every day for the right. next 20 years. Uh, that whole generation right. is aging. And so we all know some of the basic stuff, no stairs, right? We all see those uh, those commercials for the lifts that go up the stairs. So so <laughs> designing a home for aging in place, uh, stairs are an issue. Uh, in bathrooms, we've all seen them in the handicapped bathrooms, right. uh, in in any public right. space, you know, the bars and stuff, mm. for the toilets, toilets and, and uh, bathtubs and stuff. Um, what – okay – I'm going to put this out there. I, I, I'm i just going to put this out there. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad we have you out there because we're about to start re remodeling our home, Julia. Mm. And one, one of the things is in one of my bathrooms, uh, one of the guest bathrooms where I keep extra, you know, rolls of toilet paper and boxes of tissues and stuff like that. It's your classic, you know, countertop sink, cabinets underneath, right? Well, in order for me to get stuff in and out of those cabinets, I have to sit down on the floor and get, okay. to, get to them. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. I mean, if you if you mm -hmm. bring home, you go to Costco, you get that giant thing of toilet paper, and you got to you got to stack them all in the cabinet. I have to get down on the floor to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, so talking to the designer who's working on our house, I'm like, I don't want lower cabinets anymore. I don't want to have to sit down right. and get down on my knees to get stuff out of the cabinet. Right. You know, so we're going to do tall cabinets instead. So what other, there's a million little things like that that I can think of. Um, you know, simple things like pots and pans, you know, pull out drawers in your, in your kitchen, right? Um, so mm -hmm. so what, other, what other kinds of situations are there that, that we don't think about? in our day-to-day -day stuff or when you're going to remodel? You know, regardless of who my client is, I always start off with a survey about how they use their home because everyone has a unique um, way of using their space, um, regardless of 
their abilities. Um, so that's where we tend to start. Like I have a client right now with a neurological disorder and she, it's, it's progressing right now. And she loves to entertain. She lives in a small community. So it's really important that she has a space in her home where people can come over and visit. Her home is designed so poorly. It's got lots of step downs, lots of step ups. So it was a matter of changing the room. Her dining room is now her living room. Um, her dining room is now placed into a nook into the kitchen. So it's all level so she can access those easily. Um, it's about making spaces either visitable or livable. And the difference between that is if you have somebody who visits, let's say they use a walker. It may not be a situation that they want to live in all the time, but they can visit you. That means like a bathroom that might be too tight, but they can manage but they may not want to live hmm. in that every day. There's lots of examples of what you can do to make your space more livable for your needs. Of course, that depends on the person. Um, lift-top coffee tables is great for those in wheelchairs. Um, enough space in a kitchen, a U-shaped kitchen is great um, to turn around in and gives more access to. If someone's visually impaired, lighting as you walk into the house, that means like um, a pathway into your house with little lights. I mean, the list is endless because it really depends on the person. And homes are a unique opportunity to really tailor fit the person to the space. Because unfortunately, you know, before I start my work, I see a lot of people making their lives around the space and not their space for their life. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jackie, interesting, interesting. You yeah, need just, a consultant to help you make your yeah. space around life. Around me, around me, exactly. Well, listen, Jill, let's take a let's take a station break, and then I sure. I want to I want to I want to ask Julia about something we spoke about before the show started. It's a little it's a little a little we're going to make a left, but okay. let's let's do that station break first. Yeah. All right, all right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the South Bay Show. We come to you every Thursday morning and Friday morning at 8 a.m. right here in the South Bay. Hyper-local news, events, sports, business. We, we try to bring the best of the best of uh, the South Bay to you every Thursday morning for South Bay Spotlight and every Friday morning for Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. It's an intimate relationship that we're trying to develop with all of the, the thinkers and the movers in the South Bay and bring that information directly into your home or into your ear at the, at the, while you're working out or wherever. Share this with your friends and family. Uh, please help us grow our audience uh, for the South Bay. This is valuable information. It's timely information. We hope to uh, uh, reach everyone we can. And so with that, Jackie, um, what is our left turn? <laughs> Julia, I, I got to ask you, Joe and I were chatting before the show started. Basketball players. Basketball mm. players. Those, those yes. really big, those really big guys, okay, and women, excuse me, men and women. Yeah. Um, you know, we all know the, the 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 tall, the big and tall, the large and tall stores for suits for 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 people that size. Um, I gotta believe that they don't use the standard size toilet bowl. Um, can you can you can you just can you just can you fill us in on? I mean, I don't know if you've done anything like that. I mean, we have a lot of athletes that live in the South Bay. Um, how does that work? Wait, I'm going to give Julia a few extra seconds to think about that answer. Uh, yeah. Jackie, did you just ask about toilet bowls for athletes? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. That was the left turn. But no, seriously, they can't use, like, their bathroom sinks can't be the same height as ours. You know, I well, mean, even refrigerators. Well, no, no, true, true, but it's all the stuff that's permanent. Even refrigerators, you know, they probably have to bend down to look into a regular yeah. size refrigerator. Uh, you know, dining room tables, couches. I mean, all of their furniture. Uh-huh. I was just thinking. I yeah. was just thinking of the permanent stuff. You know, the the bathtubs, and the sinks, and the toilets and stuff. But it, 
have you tell us about that? I, where, where do okay, so where do on. people go to shop? I'm gonna, that? <laughs> Julia, I, I'm going to save you for 30 more seconds. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds sure. to get Jackie's answer. Um, <laughs> Jackie and Joe, uh, did you know that a long, like decades ago, Shaq lived in Manhattan Beach? And he yes. lived on the Strand. Okay, he lived. He no, he actually lived in the Hill section. Oh, he might have lived in the Strand yeah. at one point, Joe. But I know his yeah. house yeah. in the Hill section. Um, it's still there. It was, it's you know, big, beautiful two-story kind of. <laughs> and uh, when I first moved to Manhattan Beach, he was literally the house was right across the street from a friend of ours, and they're like, "Oh, guess what?" And he was he had just um, gone into escrow and it was sold and was moving out. But they're like, "Oh, Shaq is just moving out of that house right there," and I look across the street and he had the most massive front doors that I've ever seen, like, in a community. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, of course that's Shaq's house. I mean, it's like, and I never went inside of it, uh, but the the front doors were it, it, larger than life, like almost, you know, Alice in Wonderland right. reverse type of style. Okay, so now, Julia, you've had a couple minutes to <laughs> get that. <laughs> I think the answer in these cases is always custom. Um, I remember seeing a tour actually of Shaq's house and he had a round bed because it was the only thing that he could keep rolling over in and still fit. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, in the case of that, it's definitely about custom. I mean, I grew up in a 1930s house and I'm 5'10", so all the sinks were about to my knee. So yeah. I know what it's like to live in that crouch kind of situation. Um, and in terms of toilets, it's actually interesting. There's a convention every year in Japan. Um, there's the woman who owns Toto, the company that makes yes, one of the yes. biggest selling toilets, is known as the Toilet Queen. I kid you not. Um, and the technology is just kind of, it would blow your mind what they have now. I mean, of course, we all know about those self-cleaning toilets and the ones that play music, but they make ones that are um, accessible to more people. Large, small, everything. So in the case of basketball players where they're playing with a pretty big budget, everything can be custom made. Everything can be shipped in from different parts of the world um, because the U.S. is somewhat limited in the design that we have here in terms of products. Mm -hmm. You think about what they're doing in Scandinavia, what they're doing in Japan. There's more options. So shipping things internationally is a lot easier when you're a basketball player. Yes, yes. Yeah, I fi- no, I figured thing. it would be. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Jackie. Oh, no, oh, no, no, I was Julia, just going to. You... Oh. <laughs> go, you go, you go, Kelly. You go, you go. Um, Julia, did you say musical toilets, toilets that play music? Yep, there is toilets now that play music. And the reason for that, and I heard this story, was in Japan there's very thin walls, and people would be embarrassed that the people next door could hear them going to the bathroom, so they would continuously uh-huh. flush, and it was starting to um, <laughs> corrode the pipes. So now they play music. That is fascinating. I, I think I can. Did you ever I think can, you're going to hear this? Well, I'll tell you. I told mm-hmm. you we were going to take a left. I told you we were going to take a left turn. Um, <laughs> but I know they also they also have toilet bowls with lights, like with LED lights and stuff. I've seen there's some very cool stuff going on in the toilet bowl world, um, but. <laughs> But no, you know, one of these days we're going to have to have a realtor on the show to talk about resale mm. of these basketball players' homes because yeah, I got to imagine right. you can really only market them to the basketball players. But that's another show, so so <laughs> we can we can we can veer back to the center now if anybody wants to go back to the center. No, but it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned toilet bowls because honestly, any small element of design, you could. I tell everyone you can spend a year just talking about lighting or talk about color use or talking about any kind one element of design. Um, you know, we're just really starting to see what we can do with design. And that's a big thing that I tell everyone about universal design is just because it has to be practical doesn't mean it has to be ugly. We well, can make everything aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> Let me tell you, if anybody on this show is not familiar with Toto and their soft closing lid, greatest design since the spoon. Greatest design. Right. Since. I mean, it, <laughs> I it is it is fantastic because if you think about it, 
when your kid when you were kids or if you still have kids at home and you know you know boys in particular lifting the lid and then slamming it down that soft closed lid is fantastic yeah, hmm. and then you can actually tell them to close the lid because if we can actually get a boy to close the lid, then yeah. uh, hey, hallelujah. <laughs> but I agree with you. I, I have two boys, as we discussed earlier, twenty and twenty-two, but boys are boys, and yeah. uh, and I and that was one of my things as you know as a young mom always impressing them. Close the lid, put down the seat. Yep. And when we remodeled <laughs> our house years and years and years ago, um, when they were when they were really young. We installed those Toto toilets with the, with the, you know, whatever, the slow-release lid or whatever it is. And, um, however, um, had we had light-up and LED lights and all that, that would have been even more fascinating. They would have spent even more time yeah. in the bathroom. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this conversation. Julia, you are just, I mean, I you know, we don't think. You know, us commoners who aren't into design and stuff, we don't really think about these things. And it's so interesting to think about, you know, buying a house and thinking 20 years down the road, maybe, you know, and and what we're going to need. God forbid if somebody has, you know, an injury or an illness that requires it immediately, and that happens every day, too. But um, I am... I'm fascinated, and I love the term uh, universal design. Um, are you seeing a lot more of that in the commercial space too, Julia? I know like restaurants are starting to put in gender-neutral bathrooms and things like that. So what kind of commercial work are you involved in that is reflecting some of this? Yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing nearly enough. I think, um, like I said, museums are kind of on the forefront of that just because their their business really relies on being open to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Restaurant design still has a long way to go. Um, in one sense, the acoustics of restaurant really provide a problem. Everyone's into that, you know, poured concrete floors, high ceilings. Oh, um, boy, yeah. Kind of look, but acoustically, it's really overwhelming. I mean, I know I get overwhelmed when I go to a loud restaurant. And if you think about somebody mm-hmm. who, let's say, has autism, what a nightmare that must be for someone, the sensory overload. But it's hard to tell mm-hmm. Russians, hey, you need to have half, half as many people in here. So that's just about designing smart. That means having thing, uh, materials that absorb sound mm. is a big Julia, one. Julia, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there is one restaurant in particular in the South Bay I went to once. I will never go back. It hurt my ears. It was so loud. Yep. I mean, and I, I'm not inclined to go back to restaurants where the seats are uncomfortable. Oh, that too, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we don't tend to think about those design elements when we're starting. People just focus solely on the aesthetic. Um, but I, I think that there's a marriage of the two that exists mm-hmm. out there. Um, I was working you know, on a real estate office, and they had cement floors on the first floor, and bare floors upstairs. They said they couldn't make phone calls in there because it echoed everywhere. You could hear everything. You could hear a pin drop in there. Oh my god! Yeah, oh my god. yeah. So we had to bring rugs in to help absorb some of the sound and put partitions up. It took a while. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I remember a, uh, a very ahead. similar situation in a commercial office a real estate office. And one of the things that, uh, that Tommy did was he had them uh, put in what, what essentially looked like sails from a boat. And it's a very heavy canvas and it absorbed so much of the sound. It was amazing. It, one day they hung these canvas sort of like, just really like bolts of cloth. But uh, the next day it was, it was, a hundred percent, one hundred and fifty percent better. So it's 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 sometimes very simple things that can that can uh, make a huge difference in terms of sound baffling. Completely, people have to do. This. Yeah, everyone's into those open office concepts, but it doesn't necessarily work for all kinds of industries. Let's say one that you're on your phone a lot, or people who get mm-hmm. overwhelmed easily or have trouble focusing. It doesn't work well for those those kinds mm-hmm. of situations. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I want to go back to what Kelly was asking, Julia, about uh, things in, in commercial space. Kelly, the biggest one, which I'm sure we've all seen by now, are the adjustable desks. 
what are they called mm-hmm. pneumatic desks? But what are they called, Julia? Uh, standing standing desks. desks. Yeah. yeah. Standing desks. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of the biggest ones. I mean, it's amazing to me how quickly that caught on. I I, um, I don't spend a ton of time in commercial offices these days, but. Uh, my husband has them. Um, almost everybody I know has them now. I, actually, I would love to get one. I've been thinking yeah. about getting one. Have, we, have, we have them in the chamber, and I have to tell you, yeah. it's nice. You know, you can sit and you're going away, but you could also, um, even if you're sitting, you can adjust it up and down to give a little relief off your back or your shoulders with your arm position. Right. And then in, in mid-afternoon, sometimes when we all get that little bit of that mid-afternoon low, you know, low uh, feeling, uh, you know, not only, you know, a lot of us reach for a snack or another cup of coffee, I stand up. I get my desk up, and then I can start, you know, standing and moving around, and uh, it, I love it because it, you can just go up and down, and whatever kind of mood you fit or whatever your body needs, you can stand up or sit down, and I, they say – they say um, people are much more productive, actually, when they're standing up and working versus mm-hmm. when they're sitting down. And there's a lot of studies. Um, Julia, I'd be curious to know if, you're, if you've worked with any um, schools, uh, whether private or public, but there's tons of studies, Jackie, about oh, um, uh, particularly boys, you know, able to stand. And you'll see a lot of classrooms now have – those convertible type of desks also so you know people can sit or stand not just your science room and those type of you know lab type of rooms but other rooms and all these studies show that um test scores and everything are are much better when a student has the ability to stand while they're working and learning oh I wow i i absolutely i i can see that absolutely mm-hmm. uh, think about it remember when we were kids in in grammar school sitting in those desks and you're slouching and you're splaying your legs and you're all awkward. And you're, I, yeah, no, I can absolutely see that. Julia, has uh, are you doing it? Have you been working with with stuff like that with the desks? I haven't gotten a chance to work with schools yet, but I have worked with a lot of offices. And, of course, the office spaces have changed and what people want have changed because work is done so much more on the computer than it ever was before. And that really changes how we work. Um, I worked at a tech startup office, and they didn't want drawers. They had no need for drawers because they don't use pen and paper ever. They just use a computer. So that was about using standing desk and wire management. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in schools, still, people are using more computers than they are pen and paper these days. So, you know, the more we learn about how the mind works, the more we need to incorporate it into design because do those fluorescent lights in school help anybody focus it didn't help me focus you know um is being in a backless stool for a science lab going to help you concentrate because i know for me i just spent the whole time squirming around on those chairs because they were so uncomfortable um the more we learn about what we need to help us focus whether that's lighting seats desk the more we have to try to incorporate that into design Oh, my God, Adele. Uh, excuse me, Julia Adele. Who's Adele, by the way? <laughs> oh, Adele's oh, my middle oh. name. Okay, yeah, uh, Julia I Adele. Was, I, okay. I'm sorry, Jackie. I was going to ask, uh, you know, Julia, that, you know, we like to have a lot of fun here, but I really want to meet Adele, so uh, I want to meet her. <laughs> and if she's involved you in your and business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Now, go on. Since, go on. Since, since she meant, since she mentioned it, I just pulled open my desk drawer. All right. Now people are not working with paper and pencil anymore, right? I'm looking at my desk drawer. Markers, papers, pens don't need them. My mechanical pencil refills don't need them. My stapler removal don't need them. A pencil sharpener, paper clips, uh, those ACO clips don't need them. Uh, scissors, I guess you won't need anymore. Letter opener, I guess you don't need anymore. Uh, I'm looking. I have a magnifying glass. Um, there is not one thing. In, oh, my hand cream. That's the only thing. I have hand cream and I have a pair of readers in my desk. These are the only two things I would need. Everything else is obsolete, basically, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, for me, the way I work, I work with so many tangible things, samples, and I do draw things on paper when I'm out in the field. Um, 
and then I come and do it on the computer because I was always taught to do things first by hand and then do it on the computer. But that's not right. how most people's professions work anymore. Um, right. Most people function solely on their phone and their computer, so that does change how the office is. And that also really should change how lighting works in offices because staring at a computer screen is hard on your eyes. So what does that mean for the lighting in the rest of the building? Right. Yeah. Wow. Like wow. I said, you can dissect every kind of design element to try to suit your needs better. And honestly, that's what we should be doing regardless of who you are. Your surroundings really need to fit you, and you don't need to fit your surroundings. Wow. Listen, hey, Joe, I have to go blow my nose, so I'm going to um, go on mute for a minute, okay? <laughs> Thank you. We needed to know that. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's funny that she mentioned well, about air conditioning in Florida because – I just read a yeah. study that women are less productive in offices that they find too cold. And I know for me, I'm always cold. So that's kind of an interesting little fact there. Well, and I think so, the problem with so, air conditioners when, when you travel is um, a lot of people, homes or businesses and hotels, they don't change the filtration uh, enough. And I have that no. same problem when I travel. Uh, if I'm in an air conditioner heavy type of either either office buildings, you know, or hotels particularly, if they don't change the filters like they should, and it's allergen based. I mean, who knows what that has been sucking in, and, and when they last changed it, and that's kicking it back out. Right. Let alone uh-huh. airplane right. air. That's a whole other thing. Okay. But Jackie, Tell me I about it. I'll so, have that problem. It's allergies are the problem with that kind of. So I, I, I love universalizing things, and, and speaking of universal design, universal design is not just, as you had said earlier, Julia, it's not about uh, abilities or lack of abilities. Sometimes it's about temperature. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. about lighting. It's, it's, it seems like a very, I want to say, three-dimensional uh, aspects of design as opposed to two-dimensional thinking. And that's very, very fascinating. Temperature is important. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are local, one of a really interesting um, example of how lighting was used creatively is in Clive Estes. You're downstairs below the movie theater and you walk up those stairs. The lighting is actually under the handrail, which mm. I always thought was a very clever movement on their part because it guides people to where they need to hold on to if someone's older or if someone has vision problems. It lights up the stairs, but it also guides you to the point to where to hold on, which I always thought was mm-hmm. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this bodes well for young people who are looking you know, to the next level. We always talk about, in my profession, uh, for 30 years as a software engineer, we always talked about how, you know, in the next 30 years, uh, young engineers would be working with technologies that had not yet even been designed yet, had not been developed yet. And you, you think in the physical space, well, how can that be? Universal design is breaking new ground. People are not done designing spaces for lighting, for temperature, for accessibility in many ways. And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for young people to get into universal design and to uh, prosper in that profession. That's, that's fascinating and wonderful. I love thinking about what kids are going to be doing in 20 years. Um, so uh, you know, there you go. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Julia, um, th- this falls under, design obviously so so like rhode island school of design is this something that is it's not specific to architecture and and furnishings correct it 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 could be for i don't know uh sunglass designers and other things is that right yeah and it extends to products to fashion to kind of everything i know that target was doing a line that had clothes that were more adaptable, like where the snaps and zippers are for kids. Um, It really extends to everything. I see that a lot in the furniture design that I do, just designing sofas that have, you know, where's the seat height? Where's the the pitch of the back? 
it's those little details that make a big difference. And, you know, the goal with universal design is that some of these elements become commonplace. Mm-hmm. And we do see that, you know, um, why not have door frames be wider in every home? That doesn't really take away from anything. You know, six inches isn't going to make or break the difference in a house. So small things like that, we really hope to be commonplace. Um, I think we're just at the very beginning of this. And like, you know, like you said, in 20, 30 years where this is going to be, it's going to be really exciting. Hmm. Well, um, one of the, the school one that of, is on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I, I can, we can point to that is a good example of this would be, is it OXO? OXO, the company that takes things that have been around for a hundred years, the potato peeler, and they make it better. Is that right. is that a good is that a good example of of universal design? Yeah, I think a, a big part of universal design is questioning how things have always been done and why is mm-hmm. it being done this way and can it be done better? I mean, that's a large part of design. Any designer should be asking themselves these questions. Well, just because that's yeah. the way it's always been done, why are we still doing it this way? Yes. Yes. Well, that's what that's yeah. what is it Oxo OXO is that the company I'm thinking of or is it Oxy or it's it's OXO. It is OXO. It is OXO. Yeah. So, let me ask you something. That brings me back earlier I was asking you about, you know, how you study this. Like you you go to traditional design school or architecture school and then you go someplace that specializes in universal design. When you come out of there, is there are there like I would imagine you you probably need some sort of a mentor or a company that you can go to to get hands-on experience with universal design, something like an OXO maybe. How, how did that work for you? Did you? Was there an outfit or a company or an individual that was doing it that, that you admired that you thought, I'd love to intern with them or something? You know, I really struggled to find a place to get more experience, and that was um, one of the challenges when I, I decided to make this my focus, and it was more about you had to be self-motivated to find these opportunities. Working with yeah. Wounded Warriors was one of them. Um, working with this institute in Boston, I I um, I consult with them. I look at floor plans for multifamily homes. Um, they're a really unique institute, um, the Institute of Human-Centered Design. They do kind of all aspects of universal design, products, public spaces, private spaces, transportation, everything. Um so that means traveling back to Boston every now and again. Um, I had to really be open to making international friends because as progressive as California is, I didn't find enough companies or organizations working in this field. Um, I have people I talk to in New York, in Boston, in London, kind of all over the world because I really do believe this is a future of design. So you know, every month I see more and more things pop up that relate to this. Uh, so it's really about being self-motivated to find these opportunities. It's There's not, besides Buffalo, there's not really courses, you know, one after the other yeah. that just focus on this. Well, the good news is by the time everybody else catches up to you, you're going to be the expert in it, and they're all going to be coming to you. There uh, we Julia, go. <laughs> Julia, give us a, your website is www.juliaadeldesign.com. Um, do you have a physical location? Uh, do you want to give out phone numbers or e- email addresses or anything? Yeah, they can reach me at 323-702-3040 and info at Julia, J-U-L-I-A. Adele, A-D-E-L-E, design.com. Um, you know, I work with the um, city of Los Angeles. I've worked with all kinds of organizations. And, of course, I take on um, clients for private residences as well. Um, you can see examples of my work on the website. All right. Well, fascinating, fascinating. Kelly, you always bring us, you know, the best topics. Uh, Joe, I try. Do you want to wrap this up? Yes, indeed. Uh, Julia Newman, thank you so much for joining us today. Fascinating, fascinating. Thank you for having me.
And, of course, thank you, Kelly Stroman. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Have a beautiful weekend. Welcome back, Kelly. We we love having you, um, all your travels. And uh, and uh, we want all the ladies in the in the area to know that Hermosa <laughs> is the place to go <laughs> if you want a great lifeguard. If you want a great lifeguard, go to Hermosa. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> to the rescue. Baywatch, look out. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure, Joe. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Have a fantastic weekend in the South Bay. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.